This video is part of an audiobook series featuring Principles, Life and Work, written by Ray Dalio in 2017. For more audiobooks, please visit my YouTube channel, find me on Spotify, or check out my website for downloads. Chapter 4. Get and Stay in Sync Remember that for an organization to be effective, the people who make it up must be aligned on many levels, from what their shared mission is to how they will treat each other, to a more practical picture of who will do what when to achieve their goals. Yet alignment can never be taken for granted because people are wired so differently. We all see ourselves and the world in our own unique ways, so deciding what is true and what to do about it takes constant work. Alignment is especially important in an idea meritocracy, so at Bridgewater, we try to attain alignment consciously, continually, and systematically. We call this process of finding alignment getting in sync, and there are two primary ways it can go wrong. Cases resulting from simple misunderstandings, and those stemming from fundamental disagreements. Getting in sync is the process of open-mindedly and assertively rectifying both types. Many people mistakenly believe that papering over differences is the easiest way to keep the peace. They couldn't be more wrong. By avoiding conflict, one avoids resolving differences. People who suppress minor conflicts tend to have much bigger conflicts later on, which can lead to separation, while people who address their mini-conflicts head-on tend to have the best and the longest-lasting relationships. Thoughtful disagreement, the process of having a quality back and forth in an open-minded and assertive way so as to see things through each other's eyes, is powerful because it helps both parties see things they've been blind to. But it's not easy. While it is straightforward to have a meritocracy in activities in which there is a clarity of relative abilities, because the results speak for themselves, like in sports, where the fastest runner wins the race, it is much harder in a creative environment where different points of view about what's best have to be resolved. If they're not, the process of sorting through disagreements and knowing who has the authority to decide quickly becomes chaotic. Sometimes people get angry or stuck. A conversation can easily wind up with two or more people spinning unproductively and unable to reach agreement on what to do. For these reasons, specific processes and procedures must be followed. Every party to the discussion must understand who has what rights and which procedures should be followed to move toward resolution. We've developed tools for helping do this, which you can review at the end of the book. Everyone must understand the most fundamental principle for getting in sync, which is that people must be open-minded and assertive at the same time. Thoughtful disagreement is not a battle. Its goal is not to convince the other party that he or she is wrong and you are right, but to find out what is true and what to do about it. It must also be non-hierarchical, because in an idea meritocracy, communication doesn't just flow unquestioned from the top down. Criticisms also come from the bottom up. For example, this email was sent to me by someone who worked for me after a meeting with clients. All the senior people at Bridgewater, including me, are routinely criticized and judged by our subordinates. We have an email from an employee to Ray and other managers. Subject, feedback on ABC meeting. Quote, Ray, you deserve a D- for your performance today in the ABC meeting, and everyone that was in the room that saw you agrees on that harsh assessment, give or take half a grade. This was especially disappointing for two reasons. One, you have been great in previous meetings where the subject matter to be covered was the same, 
And two, we held a specific planning meeting yesterday to ask you to focus tightly on culture and portfolio structuring because we only had two hours to have you cover those two topics for me to cover the investment process, have Greg do the observatory, and Randall do implementation. Instead, you took a total of 62 minutes, I measured, but worse, you rambled for 50 minutes on what I think was portfolio structuring topics and only then got to culture, and you talked about that for 12 minutes. It was obvious to all of us that you did not prepare at all, because there is no way you could have been that disorganized at the outset if you had prepared. End quote. Similarly, I'd like to share another case in which one of our senior managers observed a conversation between Greg, who is CEO, and a junior employee, and felt that Greg was speaking to that employee in a way that discouraged dissent and independent thinking. She raised this in feedback she gave Greg, but Greg disagreed, asserting that he was simply reminding the employee of relevant principles and her responsibilities to either adhere to them or openly question them. The two sought to get in sync through a series of emails, and when that didn't work, they raised their disagreement to the management committee. A case based on the meeting in question was sent to the entire company so everyone could judge for themselves who was right and who was wrong. It was a good learning exercise that Greg and the senior manager appreciated. We used it to reflect on our written principles for handling situations like this, and they both got a lot of useful feedback. If we hadn't laid out our principles and used them to judge cases like this, we would have people with power making decisions however they wanted, instead of in mutually agreed-upon ways. The principles that follow flesh out how we do this. If they are adhered to, you will be well-aligned with others and your idea meritocracy will hum with productivity. If they are not, it will grind to a halt. 4.1. Recognize that conflicts are essential for great relationships because they are how people determine whether their principles are aligned and resolve their differences. Everyone has his or her own principles and values, so all relationships entail a certain amount of negotiation or debate over how people should be with each other. What you learn about each other will either draw you together or drive you apart. If your principles are aligned and you can work out your differences via a process of give and take, you will draw closer together. If not, you will move apart. Open discussion of differences ensures that there are no misunderstandings. If that doesn't happen on an ongoing basis, gaps in perspective will widen until inevitably there is a major clash. A. Spend lavishly on the time and energy you devote to getting in sync because it's the best investment you can make. In the long run, it saves time by increasing efficiency, but it's important that you do it well. You will need to prioritize what you are going to get in sync about and who you are going to get in sync with because of time constraints. Your highest priority should be the most important issues with the most believable and most relevant parties. 4.2. Know how to get in sync and disagree well. It is harder to run an idea meritocracy in which disagreements are encouraged than a top-down autocracy in which they are suppressed. But when believable parties to disagreements are willing to learn from each other, their evolution is faster and their decision-making far better. The key is in knowing how to move from disagreement to decision-making. It is important that the paths for doing this are clear so that who is responsible for doing what is known. This is the reason I created a tool called the Dispute Resolver, which lays out the paths and makes clear to everyone if they are holding on to a different point of view rather than moving it along to resolution. You can read about it in the tool's appendix. 
It is essential to know where the ultimate decision-making authority lies, i.e., how far the power of the argument will carry relative to the power of the assigned authority. While arguing, and especially after a decision is rendered, everyone in the idea meritocracy must remain calm and respectful of the process. It is never acceptable to get upset if the idea meritocracy doesn't produce the decision that you personally wanted. A. Surface areas of possible out-of-syncness. If you and others don't raise your perspectives, there's no way you will resolve your disputes. You can surface the areas of disagreement informally or put them on a list to go over. I personally like to do both, though I encourage people to list their disagreements in order of priority so I, or we, can move more easily direct them to the right party at the right time. The nubbiest questions, the ones that there is the most disagreement about, are the most important ones to thrash out, as they often concern differences in people's values or their approaches to important decisions. It's especially important to bring these issues to the surface and examine their premises thoroughly and unemotionally. If you don't, they will fester and cause rot. B. Distinguish between idle complaints and complaints meant to lead to improvement. Many complaints either fail to take into account the full picture or reflect a closed-minded point of view. They are what I call chirping and are generally best ignored. But constructive complaints may lead to important discoveries. C. Remember that every story has another side. Wisdom is the ability to see both sides and weigh them appropriately. 4.3. Be open-minded and assertive at the same time. Being effective at thoughtful disagreement requires one to be open-minded, seeing things through the other's eyes, and assertive, communicating clearly how things look through your eyes, and to flexibly process this information to create learning and adaptation. I have found that most people have problems being assertive and open-minded at the same time. Typically, they are more inclined to be assertive than open-minded because it's easier to convey how they see things than to understand how others do, and also because people tend to have ego attachments to being right, though some people are too willing to accept others' views at the expense of their own. It's important to remind people that they have to do both and to remember that decision-making is a two-step process in which one has to take in information as well as decide. It also helps to remind people that those who change their minds are the biggest winners because they learned something, whereas those who stubbornly refuse to see the truth are losers. With practice, training, and constant reinforcement, anyone can get good at this. A. Distinguish open-minded people from closed-minded people. Open-minded people seek to learn by asking questions. They realize how little they know in relation to what there is to know and recognize that they might be wrong. They are thrilled to be around people who know more than they do because it represents an opportunity to learn something. Closed-minded people always tell you what they know, even if they know hardly anything. They are typically uncomfortable being around those who know a lot more than they do. B. Don't have anything to do with closed-minded people. Being open-minded is much more important than being bright or smart. No matter how much they know, closed-minded people will waste your time. If you must deal with them, recognize that there can be no helping them until they open their minds. C. Watch out for people who think it's embarrassing not to know. They're likely more to be more concerned with appearances than actually achieving the goal, and this can lead to ruin over time. D. Make sure that those in charge are open-minded about the questions and comments of others. 
The person responsible for a decision must be able to explain the thinking behind it openly and transparently so that everyone can understand and assess it. In the event of disagreement, an appeal should be made to either the decision-maker's boss or an agreed-upon, knowledgeable group of others, generally people more knowledgeable than and senior to the decision-maker. E. Recognize that getting in sync is a two-way responsibility. In any conversation, there is a responsibility to express and a responsibility to listen. Misinterpretations and misunderstandings are always going to happen. Often, difficulty in communication is due to people having different ways of thinking, e.g. left-brain thinkers talking to right-brain thinkers. The parties involved should always consider the possibility that one or both of them misunderstood and do a back-and-forth so that they can get in sync. Very simple tricks like repeating what you're hearing someone say to make sure you're actually getting it can be invaluable. Start by assuming you're either not communicating or listening well instead of blaming the other party. Learn from your miscommunications so they don't happen again. F. Worry more about substance than style. This is not to say that some styles aren't more effective than others with different people and in different circumstances, but I often hear people complaining about the style or tone of a criticism in order to deflect from its substance. If you think someone's style is an issue, box it as a separate issue to get in sync upon. G. Be reasonable and expect others to be reasonable. You have a responsibility to be reasonable and considerate when you are advocating for your point of view and should never let your lower-level you gain control, even if the other person loses his or her temper. Their bad behavior does not justify yours. If either party to a disagreement is too emotional to be logical, the conversation should be deferred. Pausing a few hours or even a few days in cases where decisions do not have to be made immediately is sometimes the best approach. H. Making suggestions and questioning are not the same as criticizing, so don't treat them as if they are. A person making suggestions may not have concluded that a mistake will be made. They could just be making doubly sure that the person they're talking to has taken all the risks into consideration. Asking questions to make sure that someone hasn't overlooked something isn't the same as saying that he or she has overlooked it. Like, watch out for the ice, versus you're being careless and not looking out for the ice. Yet, I often see people react to constructive questions as if they were accusations, and this is a mistake. 4.4. If it is your meeting to run, manage the conversation. There are many reasons why meetings go poorly, but frequently it is because of a lack of clarity about the topic or the level at which things are being discussed, like the principal machine level, the case at hand level, or the specific fact level. So, A. Make it clear who is directing the meeting and whom it is meant to serve. Every meeting should be aimed at achieving someone's goals. That person is the one responsible for the meeting and decides what they want to get out of, get out of it and how they will do so. Meetings without someone clearly responsible run a high risk of being directionless and unproductive. B. Be precise in what you're talking about to avoid confusion. It is often best to repeat a specific question to be sure both questioner and responder are crystal clear on what is being asked and answered. In an email, this is often as simple as cutting and pasting the questions into the body of the text. C. Make clear what type of communication you are going to have in light of the objectives and priorities. If your goal is to have people with different opinions work through their differences to try to get closer to what is true and what to do about it, 
an open-minded debate, you will run your meeting differently than if its goal is to educate. Debating takes time, and that time increases exponentially depending on the number of people participating in the discussion. So you have to carefully choose the right people in the right numbers to suit the decision that needs to be made. In any discussion, try to limit the participation to those whom you value most in light of your objectives. The worst way to pick people is based on whether the conclusions align with yours. Groupthink, or people not asserting independent views, and solo-think, which is people being unreceptive to the thoughts of others, are both dangerous. D. Lead the discussion by being assertive and open-minded. Reconciling different points of view can be difficult and time-consuming. It is up to the meeting leader to balance conflicting perspectives, push through impasses, and decide how to spend time wisely. A common question I get is, what happens when someone inexperienced offers an, an opinion? Well, if you're running the conversation, you should be weighing the potential cost of the time that it takes to explore their opinion versus the potential gain in being able to assess their thinking and gain a better understanding of what they're like. Exploring the views of people who are still building their track record can give you valuable insights into how they might handle various responsibilities. Time permitting, you should work through their reasoning with them so they can understand how they might be wrong. It's also your obligation to open-mindedly consider whether they might be right. E. Navigate between the different levels of the conversation. When considering an issue or situation, there should be two levels of discussion, the case at hand and the relevant principles that help you decide how the machine should work. You need to clearly navigate between these levels in order to handle the case well, to test the effectiveness of your principles, and to improve the machine so similar cases will be handled better in the future. F. Watch out for topic slip. Topic slip is random drifting from topic to topic without achieving completion on any of them. One way to avoid it is by tracking the conversation on a whiteboard so that everyone can see where you are. G. Enforce the logic of conversations. People's emotions tend to heat up when there is disagreement. Remain calm and analytical at all times. It is more difficult to shut down a logical exchange than an emotional one. Remember, too, that emotions can shade how people see reality. For example, people will sometimes say, I feel like something is true, and proceed as though it's a fact, when other people may interpret the situation differently. Ask them, is it true? In order to ground, ground the conversation in reality. H. Be careful not to lose personal responsibility via group decision-making. Too often, groups will make a decision to do something without assigning personal responsibilities, so it is not clear who is supposed to follow up by doing what. Be clear in assigning personal responsibilities. I. Utilize the two-minute rule to avoid persistent interruptions. The two-minute rule specifies that you have to give someone an, an uninterrupted two minutes to explain their thinking before jumping in with your own. This ensures that everyone has time to fully crystallize and communicate their thoughts without worrying that they will be misunderstood or drowned out by a louder voice. J. Watch out for assertive, fast talkers. Fast talkers are people who articulately and assertively say things faster than they can be assessed as a way of pushing their agenda past other people's examination or objections. Fast talking can be especially effective when it's used against people worried about appearing stupid. 
Don't be one of those people. Recognize that it's your responsibility to make sense of things, and don't move on until you do. If you're feeling pressured, say something like, Sorry for sounding stupid, but I'm going to need you to slow down so I can make sense of what you're saying. And then ask your questions. All of them. K. Achieve completion in conversations. The main purpose of discussion is to achieve completion and get in sync, which leads to decisions and or actions. Conversations that fail to reach completion are a waste of time. When there is an exchange of ideas, it is important to end it by stating the conclusions. If there is agreement, say it. If not, say that. Where further action has been decided, get those tasks on a to-do list, assign people to do them, and specify due dates. Write down your conclusions, working theories, and to-dos in places that will lead to their being used as foundations for continued progress. To make sure this happens, assign someone to make sure notes are taken and follow-through occurs. There is no reason to get angry because you still disagree. People can have a wonderful relationship and disagree about some things. You don't have to agree on everything. L. Leverage your communication. While open communication is very important, the challenge is to do it in a time-efficient way. You can't have individual conversations with everyone. It is helpful to identify easy ways of sharing, like open emails posted on an FAQ board or sending around videotapes or audio recordings of key meetings. I call such approaches leverage. The challenge becomes greater the higher you go in the reporting hierarchy because the number of people affected by your actions and who also have opinions or questions grows so large. In such cases, you will need even greater leverage and prioritization. For example, by having some of the questions answered by a well-equipped party who works for you, or by asking people to prioritize their questions by urgency or importance. 4.5. Great collaboration feels like playing jazz. In jazz, there is no script. You have to figure things out as you go along. Sometimes you need to sit back and let others drive things. Others other times, you blare it out yourself. To do the right thing at the right moment, you need to really listen to the people you're playing with so that you can communicate where they're going. All, the, all great creative collaborations should feel the same way. Combining your different skills, like different instruments, improvising creatively, and at the same time, subordinating yourself to the goals of the group leads to playing great music together. But it's important to keep in mind what number of collaborators will play well together. A talented duo can improvise beautifully, as can a trio or quartet. But gather 10 musicians, and no matter how talented they are, it's probably going to be too many unless they are carefully orchestrated. A. 1 plus 1 equals 3. Two people who collaborate well will be about three times as effective as each of them operating independently, because each will see what the other might miss. Plus, they can leverage each other's strengths while holding each other accountable to higher standards. B. 3 to 5 is more than 20. 3 to 5 smart, conceptual people seeking the right answers in an open-minded way will generally lead to the best answers. It may be tempting to convene a larger group, but having too many people collaborate is counterproductive, even if the members of the larger group are smart and talented. The symbiotic advantages of adding people to a group grow incrementally, up to a point. Beyond that, adding people actually subtracts from effectiveness. This is because, one, the marginal benefits diminish as the group gets larger. 
two or three people might be able to cover most of the important perspectives, so adding more people doesn't bring much more. And two, larger group interactions are less efficient than smaller ones. Of course, what's best in practice depends on the quality of the people and the differences of the perspectives that they bring and how well the group is managed. 4.6. When you have alignment, cherish it. While there is nobody in the world who will share your point of view on everything, there are people who will share your most important values and the ways in which you choose to live them out. Make sure you end up with those people. 4.7. If you can't reconcile major differences, especially in values, consider whether the relationship is worth preserving. There are all kinds of different people in the world, many of whom value different kinds of things. If you find you can't get in sync with someone on shared values, you should consider whether that person is worth keeping in your life. A lack of common values will lead to a lot of pain and other harmful consequences and may ultimately drive you apart. It might be better to head all that off as soon as you see it coming.